Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 342, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Why are you laughing, man? Because you, <laughs> the sound is just so funny. <laughs> oh, okay. well, this is a one-time deal. It'll be better next time. Yeah, it's just, when you got to... Y'all, y'all know I've always got some problem on my end. It's... <laughs> It's just when you got talking louder, it sounds more like you're just like being held prisoner somewhere. God, I'm, I'm, help, <laughs> help, help. It is like, like you're, you're falling down a wishing well or something. It's kind of awesome, but it, it'll be okay. We'll figure it out. And, and like he said, it, it, it'll be different next time. But, oh, I just, I wasn't expecting it to sound so funny when you got louder. So here we are hanging out, recording this. I know everybody's going to be excited for the Pro Bowl, but Jacques and I decided to record this before the Pro Bowl. I hope not everybody's pissed off wanting that good Pro Bowl analysis that we're just not going to have for you, but we got some stuff to dive into, man. The Cowboys... Uh, check have, this out, though. Yeah. I think the funnest thing about the Pro Bowl was when your boy Josh... Who is it? Josh Jones? Running back? Raiders? Oh, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. He's like, this is some stupid shit. <laughs> it is, man. I don't know what they're doing. It's the, like the weirdest thing ever to me is that you it's have these athletes. Yeah, that, that are, these are multi-million dollar athletes and you're getting them to go out there and do what we used to do on field day in elementary school. You know what would be better if they would um, if they turned it into like a superstars competition? Something. Anything would be better than what it is. You know, we get a 40 yard dash or a 50 or 100 yard dash. We do some weightlifting. We do an obstacle course. We do some some athletic stuff that's not football and you can have a good time and it can be worth something. It would be fun. It'd be way better than what it is now. But we'll see how it turns out. But that's about all we're going to have for the Pro Bowl because we got some stuff we need to get into. We'll talk about the Cowboys making a move at offensive coordinator, some of the moves that they've got to consider coming up this offseason. But the podcast continues to be made possible because of our sponsors. They help us to keep this thing going. Greening Law is at the top of that, man. They, they have been with us for a long time. I personally am one of their clients. They've been working with me. I tell you guys about greening law and and it's reality. If you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've been injured on the premises of a business, 
those of you that have had this happen to you, you, you probably are understanding like how difficult it is to know what to do, where to go, who to talk to. That's why Greening Law exists, is to fight for you. They're a personal injury law firm to help you against the insurance companies. And I'm telling you, because the consultation's free, if you think you got a case, just give them a call, man. Dude, it's worth it to pick up the phone. Yeah, I know the number, 972-934-8900, and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you guys think? And it doesn't matter whether your situation happened in, in, a, in a car accident or at a business or at a um, apartment complex yeah. or uh, you know a construction site, it doesn't matter. Um, give them a call, tell them what's up, and uh, hope that they bring you on as a client. Because if they do, it's been your lucky day. Because as Matt can tell you, they walk you through the process, they tell you where to look left or right, when to jump. And uh, you need something like this because uh, it's you going up against another big insurance company. You need somebody riding with you. Yeah, make it happen. It's 972-934-8900. 972 972- Nine three four eighty nine hundred. So give them a call, man. It's Robert Greening offices in Dallas, Texas, and Dallas, Texas is where we find those Cowboys who have made it known that they are bringing in a new offensive coordinator. We knew they were going to do something like this. We kind of figured it would be this dude, Brian Schottenheimer, is the new offensive coordinator of the Cowboys. And I was telling you this story. I had a buddy that texted me. <laughs> yesterday on saturday and was like f this what are the cowboys doing i can't brian schottenheimer and i was like i mean who is it that they could have hired at offensive coordinator one that people would know two that would excite you and three mccarthy has let it know like he's going to be calling the plays so i i don't even know like to me the offensive coordinator thing is just like a, a, a title head of hey we have an offensive coordinator that needs to do certain things during the week no that's exactly what it is bro um, to me, that's that's exactly what it is. And, uh, you know, it, you also have to consider, given that it was already out that McCarthy was going to call plays. Yeah. You weren't going to get somebody's like, oh, let me go interview for that job and, and really see if I can sell myself because it's a figurehead job. It's not the job. And so, um, you know, the only thing that's important now is how McCarthy puts his stamp on the offense, what we see that's different. And uh, can he make it happen? Because as I told Matt, and this ain't no breaking news now, it's clear to me that he's been set up as the next fall guy. Like this year, the fall guy is, yeah. is uh, Kellen Moore. Like it doesn't matter that, that we won 12 games. It doesn't matter that once Dak got back, we led the league in several offensive categories. Uh, we failed to produce in the uh, playoffs for whatever reason. So we're going to make a change. And so now um, going into next year, the the offense coordinator is a moot point as a fall guy. We know it ain't gonna be Dan Quinn, and so now the only other it's it's the Mike McCarthy show. And he did what he should have done, which is if this is my last year, or this is the defining year of my tenure here. I'm going to go down doing what I want to do, how I want to do it. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean. It's wild to me. Like, I just saw this article here, and the, the headline on it is, this year's uninspired coaching hire award goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Brian Schottenheimer is a mid-choice for a mid-team. And again, it goes back to, okay, if, if McCarthy's going to call, and we can all disagree, or, that's fine. You can, well, I don't want McCarthy calling plays. I don't think he should call plays. He got stale at the end of his, his play-calling tenure in Green Bay. Cool. He's going to call plays. It's like the Dak argument. Well, I don't want Dak. All right, well, Dak's going to be here. So then how do you work around that? So to me, the Brian Schottenheimer thing, who cares? He was a coordinator or a consultant rather last year. 
now he steps into the OC role. I, I just, like you said, man, I, I think most of us are kind of of the belief if they don't get it done this year, Jerry's going to fire McCarthy, and I think Dan Quinn will be the head coach in 2024. It won't be uh, my man Sean Payton. It, it won't be <laughs> Sean Payton, and it's not going to be Brian Schottenheimer. Like, this is... No, I just, I, I mean, so what? Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think Dan Quinn has, has been waiting for this. And I don't say that in a stab you in the back way. It's like, ah, there's not a job out there that's, that's sexy enough or set up for me to win and be successful. So I'll just hang out. I got this great gig. I'm making great money. And the way it's playing out, if something happens, uh, I'm going to be okay. So uh, make perfect sense to Man, I think you're absolutely right. I'd, I'd lay money right now that he'll be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I think so. And, and I actually think it'll happen next year because I don't know that this team is going to get over the hump and get to the NFC Championship game. And I kind of feel like I actually think if they don't get to that level next year, now this could all go out the window. I mean, if the Cowboys somehow blow our minds and go 13-4, and 14-3 and three and some crap and end up, again, doing something that we don't foresee – then maybe it, things change. But I kind of have that feeling that Jerry wants to move on if they don't get to the NFC Championship game next year, that that would be the level of, okay, McCarthy's not the guy. I gave you four years. Let's get Dan Quinn in here. Yeah, I would, I would get I – would, I could see that happening. The other thing I wanted to throw out, because we've been talking about this, and – Dude, can I stop you for a second, man? Yeah. Like, we just had this interesting conversation about Mike McCarthy, right? Yeah. Dude, I feel like a spirit has possessed, taken over my computer. <laughs> okay, why? Dude, I looked down. My microphone was not plugged into the computer, so you should not have been able to hear me. That's why it sounds weird. Well, how could I talk into the computer, into the mic, and not be plugged in and you still hear me? It might be that it's just reading you through your laptop's microphone and not the mic, like not the snowball. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I feel better now. <laughs> Dude, I look down at this thing. I'm like, why is this light not on? <laughs> and I was like, but he's still hearing me. And, you know, I just saw this scary movie the other day about a spirit that infiltrated somebody's body. And I was just like, wild, dude. What the hell? How can how can I be talking to a microphone that's not plugged in yet? He can still hear me. Well, plug it in. No, it's been plugged in now. Oh, it's plugged it's, in now? Yeah, does it still sound crazy? Yeah, still I couldn't tell a difference. So go to the go to the clean feed and see if you can reset no, it. Hold up. Let me maybe it's this right. Sound better. Oh my god, there it is. Now you sound perfect. Oh, okay. See, that's all it took. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> can I tell y'all something? This you know. is why people who are called technical directors get paid a lot. I thought because I was like, man, you had said, a technical <sighs> director. He, that person, male or female, would have shown up and said, oh, here's what you got to do. You got to plug the mic in. And yeah, that would help when you're, doing a, when you're recording something. <laughs> that's the truth. But at least but we figured it out. Because you could hear me, uh, I wasn't thinking. Then, dude, you should have seen me. I'm like, why is the light so dull? It should be brighter than this. I don't cut my hands over it to see if I could see the light. And then when it didn't work, I go, oh, my God, it's not plugged in. <laughs> I wondered about that. I was like, I mean, I get that you just, you know, it shouldn't sound this hollow. Like, are you just broadcasting from a well? But I was like, whatever, man, we'll just roll. And then sure enough, now it sounds normal. I'm at the bottom of a well in Afghanistan. 
But I'm going to tell everybody sneaking over the mountains. This is going to be real. I, we're not going back and redoing that conversation. So welcome to Hell sounding no. better now. <laughs> <laughs> so for the first 10 minutes of the podcast, everybody listening is like, oh, that sounds weird. And then now it sounds fine. So you guys get to enjoy it along with us. Right, 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 right. So I wanted to bring this up because, again, everybody... I think we're all aware of this, how quickly a Cowboys fan can turn. And everybody now hates Zeke. You know, when we drafted him, everybody was stoked. And he goes out his rookie year and like, holy crap, there's this guy. And it's wild to see the fall of Zeke Elliott because you look at this thing. And if you had looked at that 2016 class and you were going to put a running back in the Hall of Fame, originally it would have been Zeke Elliott. Now it's Derrick Henry and it's not close. (laughs) No, nah, but here's the deal, bro. I was looking this up for something else the other day. I know you guys will laugh at me, but I forgot Derrick Henry won the Heisman. Yeah. This is really, I mean, he's the guy. Like, he had 1,400 yards last year, almost 1,500, I think. Yeah. And it was like a quiet Derrick Henry year. That was his quiet year. Uh, to me, this, you know, there's two things in working with Derrick Henry, though, who I think is a fascinating character one is he's only got i say only 8900 yards so he's still ten thousand away from Emmett. <laughs> yeah he's, he's a ways back but he had a great year last year even though it was a quiet year my question is i think he's 28 is this the year he falls off a cliff because if not then i think he's going to be mentioned with uh he's not a sexy guy because of his style but when it's all said and done, if he doesn't fall off a cliff next year, then I think he's going to have another three or four years, and we'll be talking about him as one of the great running backs in NFL history. Yeah, it's really interesting, man, because you look at this. Like, I was looking at this earlier, and I don't know that I would have thought this. They, they, they've obviously both been in the league for seven years. Statistically, they are – I mean, they've Zeke's played in 103 games. Derrick Henry's played in 102. Zeke is – less than a hundred yards behind Derrick Henry and like they are the two active leading rushers. Derrick Henry is the leading active rusher combined. Zeke has 80 touchdowns. Derrick Henry has 81. I mean, it's really wild. Now you look at this, Derrick Henry has done this with 131 fewer rushing attempts than Zeke has. So he's been obviously a little bit more effective. He's got a 4.8 yards per attempt for his career. Zeke's at four, four, but it's wild, man. Cause you look at this, They both, right now, Derrick Henry is 42nd all-time in rushing yards. Zeke is 43rd. Like, if Zeke were to come back and let's say somehow he got another 800 yards and cracked 9,000, then he would jump into the top 40 all-time in rushing yards. And that's weird because I don't know, like, like some of the names that you look at this, like, you don't remember them being, like, some dominant great back, but there's only 31 players in NFL history that had over 10,000 rushing yards. And Derrick Henry, you got to think, like, if he has a normal couple of years coming up, he's going to be in the top 20. You know, what's funny is I remember, I feel bad. I remember when there was like 10 guys yeah. with more than 10,000 yards. It might have been less than that. might have been like five or six guys with 10,000 yards rushing. I mean, there's uh, some guys you just don't think about that. Like Ricky Williams had over 10,000 yards. Miami Dolphins, University of Texas? Yeah. No, I, I would have never guessed that. No, I mean, it, it's it's really interesting to look at some like of these guys. It seemed like he had one great year, and yeah. that was it. But he hung around for a while and was able, you know, I mean, he was a running back for, what, 12, 13 seasons or whatever, just kind of pieced it together. Yeah. He played that long? Yeah. 
Dude, are you serious? He came in the league in 99. Remember, he missed, he like retired and missed a season, then came back. Then he got suspended or whatever for a year and then came back and he was with Miami from 2007 until 2010 and then was with Baltimore in 2011. Okay, I had no idea, none whatsoever, that Ricky Williams played 11 seasons. Isn't that nuts? (laughs) I had no idea. All that means really is that if he didn't have that social anxiety and a love for weed before it became fashionable, then uh, he probably... We're probably talking about a guy in the top 15 all-time in running backs. Yardage If wise. not higher. Yeah, if not easy. Higher. Because what happened was, you know, he was still slow those first... Like I said, if he didn't have that anxiety in those first two years, they weren't bad. Yeah. But three, four, and five, he started jumping it. And if he didn't have that, you know, weed issues and all this other stuff, if he had played four and five and six and seven and eight, he'd have been a beast because he had 1,100 yards at 32 in 2009. I guarantee you there's only been a handful of 1,100-yard backs at 32 years old. Yeah, man. I mean, and, and He could have been one of the all-time greats. He could have had maybe 15. You're right, man, maybe 15,000 yards. Yeah, I mean, isn't that nuts to Which would have put him, what, top three? Yeah, only three guys ever or four guys because Frank Gore's up there now. Only four guys ever with 15,000. I refuse to acknowledge Frank. <laughs> you never want to acknowledge him. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Literally every person in the top 16 in rushing yards is in the Hall of Fame except for Frank Gore. So, yes. I mean, that, that's what's weird about that is you look at the all-time rushing list. Every single person that has 12,000 or more yards is in the Hall of Fame. Frank Gore is not, but he obviously just retired. So you look at that. If, if 12,000 is the cutoff, I mean, Derrick Henry... Derrick Henry needs, what, three more years of what, what we've seen from him, and he'll be above that line, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. And Zeke, Zeke's not getting there. I don't know. Yeah, I say this every time because I want it to be 1,000% clear. Zeke's my guy. Uh, love him as a player. Really like him as a dude. I don't know if he's going to get another 900 yards because he's about to become a backup. Yeah. And he's going to be – he, he can probably play another three or four years because I think he has better hands than people give him credit for. Um, but between short yardage and goal line running and all that stuff, uh, he can play another three, two or three years and pass protection. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I mean, it, it's that's one of the wildest things is to see those two guys. Now, obviously, when Derrick Henry came into the league originally – he, they weren't using him because DeMarco Murray was in, was in Tennessee. Right. So, I mean, he, he didn't get a lot of exposure until year three, and then he has just exploded ever since then. I mean, he, okay, he me, didn't have 1,000 yards in 2021 because he missed half the season. He only played in eight games, and he still had 937 yards. I don't think people – now, this is just me. I could be wrong. I don't think people really understand how great Derrick Henry is in this respect. Oh, um, that he's 6'3, 250, yes. and clearly he runs like 4'4. But I mean, do y'all really remember that he averaged something like 280 yards a game in high school? Yeah, man. And then he went to Alabama and he was an unstoppable force at Alabama. And now he's gotten to the league. And once they gave him the ball, 
you know, because he just didn't carry it that much the first two years. It wasn't, wasn't any good. He right, just didn't yeah. carry it. That, that he's just an unstoppable force. And I'm going to ask you, Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. He got 1,500 yards this year. Yeah. In 16 okay, games. Man. He didn't even play all what's, 17. What's his most <laughs> impressive stat? His most impressive stat? Yeah, I have a. This is this is just my just one man said. You tell me what of all those stats that you're looking at, because I'm sure you've called it up by now. Yeah. What's the one that you just go, wow? And there, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer to this because he's an amazing player. Did you know he works out in Dallas in the offseason? I did not know that. No. Yeah, he works out at a spot downtown uh, with a couple dudes I know. I don't know, man. Like, like it, it's. Because when I tell you mine, you're going to be like, oh, shit, I saw that, but I didn't really think about it. Okay, well, what is it then? Oh, okay. I had to burp, so I, was, I thought you were going to answer <laughs> Well, I mean, to me, like the 4-8 that jumps out the page at you and the, and the fact that he had a season where he averaged 5.4 yards an attempt is insane. Yeah, no. Here's what's impressive. To me. No, those are all perfectly great. The one that jumps off at me, man, 2017, long run, 75. Yeah. 2018, long run, 99. 2019, long run, 74. 2020, long run, 94. 2021, long run, 76. Who does that in the NFL every year? Not many. You might have, you might have one or two of those in your career. Nobody rips off 70-yard touchdown runs every season like it's nothing, and nobody does it. At 250 pounds. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, he's an early January Capricorn like me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to your point, I was just looking at Zeke. His long run of his career is 60 yards. And that was one time back in his rookie season. Yeah. And, you know, I thought he had more speed than that, but he doesn't. No. And and that's, I I guess, like this whole conversation seems like we're going on a rabbit hole down Derrick Henry. But it's the, I mean, the, the two ships passing in the night just reality of what Zeke was his first three years in the league and then just kind of faded away and Derrick Henry passing him by in the complete opposite direction. It's been really interesting to see. I mean, it just, I think what happens is you're talking about a guy who's really good compared to a guy who's going to be an all time great. Now, the only thing about it is he's going to be an all time great in Tennessee. Yep. Which, you know, ain't getting no bunch of Monday night games and Sunday night games and national TV games. And so as great as he is, I'd say he's underappreciated. I, it's hard to disagree with you when you look at the numbers and the consistency of what he's been doing. And now, because we have seen, obviously, we have seen Zeke just fall off the table. Now we get to see, can Derrick Henry, as he reaches that next phase of running back, can he maintain what he's been able to do? As he crosses age 28. Yeah, to me, that's the whole question. Like, he just turned 29 earlier this year. He's, like you said, a January guy. So, he's 29 years old. Can he continue this 29, 30 years old as he goes for the next two, three seasons? And if he can, then you're talking about, like, if he does an average of 1,200 yards a season for the next three years, he'll jump into the top 16 all time and, and put himself on a track for a Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's I think he's on that track. He's just got to keep it going. The other thing I wanted to throw out because I'm curious what you think the Tyron Smith deal because I I guess it's either Chiller Archer that we were talking to last week when they brought up that Tyron Smith might not be back. 
And I thought, wow, really? But then you think about it. And this is a dude that in 12 seasons, I think we've looked at him as, I mean, he's a rock. He's one of the best, if not the best left tackle in the game for a solid decade. But he's missed 33 games in the last three seasons. He hasn't played a 16 games in a season since 2015. But you kind of look at him and you wonder, he's only going to make $13.9 million, I think it is, this season. They can walk away from that if they want to. Is Tyron Smith done in Dallas, do you think? These are all hard decisions. But see, I, I, I talk about it like this, Doug. I'm the GM. I'm paid to be cruel. That's my job. Yeah. My job is not to be sentimental. And to me, as much as I like Tyron Smith, he misses three to four games every year. Let me tell you something, Matt. That's not going to get better as he gets older. No. And so what I would really do, it would be hard. But it'd be fair. But what I would do is just go, hey, Tyler Smith came on faster and better than I thought. He's my left tackle. I get Jason Peters to be my swing tackle, teach, uh, teach Tyler all the stuff he doesn't know, uh, since he seems to like doing that. And he's as good a swing tackle as I can find. And he don't want to play every dime anyway. Uh, I got Terrence Steele at right tackle. I got Zach Martin at right guard. Uh, Beatish is coming up soon. We'll see if, if I'm going to extend him a little bit or get a new center. And then I just go draft me a guard, man, in the third round or the fourth round, plug him in there and keep it moving. Um, that's what I would do, and I would use the savings from Tyron Smith to go add to my weaponry for Dak Prescott. Yeah, that's – it would be wild to see this. And obviously it's going to happen at some point, but 12 years, and, and that could be it for Tyron Smith. And, and same with Zeke. I mean, we could be talking about two Cowboys we've seen for almost a decade just gone. The reason why you do that is it's always better a year too early than yeah. a year too late. It just is. It's sad, it's hard, it's cruel, but that's the way you have to do it. That's the way you got to operate. And it kind of feels like that that's the point that they're at with Tyron Smith. You think he's a Hall of Famer? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt he's a Hall of Famer. Four-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, obviously the best yeah. in his position for, I would say, not anymore, but for the first 10 yeah. years, nine years of his, of his career, yeah. the best in the game. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But it's 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 always these times when you get to it. It was like when you know it, they moved on from Demarcus Ware, like these these Cowboys lifers. When they when they it's time to move on from them, and we, we've talked about this like in the last couple of years, this offensive line, you know, that was Frederick Martin and Smith, and and here lo and behold, it may just be Zach Martin left, and how much longer is he going to go? Who knows? Because again. That was part of what we've talked about with this window of opportunity. But see, check this out, bro. You know how you keep your window of opportunity going? Is you don't get sentimental. Yeah. You keep your window of opportunity open by saying, hey, man, we love Tyron and we'll have Tyron Smith Day, you know, down the road yeah. whenever he's ready to sign a one-year contract. But you keep it moving by going, oh, my God, we hit on a left tackle we thought we were going to get. We hit on that guy. We don't need to waste no more time. Put him there. We get younger. We get better against the cap. And now, have, check this out, Matt. Even if you want to say, hey, let's go get a guard we know who can play. Let's go get one in the second round and plug him in there. Yeah. Now what have you got? You've got Tyler. I mean, Tyler Smith on a rookie deal. you got your left guard on a rookie deal. 
You don't have to pay Steele just yet. He's still on a rookie deal, I think. Now, that's how your cap stays good. Biadish is on his rookie deal. And you just got Zach Martin over there. Now you got a little bit of excess money. Go find some guys to help make Dak better. Yeah, I think I'm in on that plan. I think that that needs to be the motivation of the offseason. That, that should be the question. How do we make Dak better in this offense? What do we need to put around him? That really should yeah. be like the question of the offseason that they need to ask themselves across the board. What do we do? How do we find weapons to add to make this guy a more effective quarterback? No, and you need to talk to Dak. What do you like? What do you need? What do you think you need? Put him in the mix. Figure it out. Stop throwing the damn ball to the other team. Things like that. Okay, yes, that's important. (laughs) Well, it's funny because somebody like, you know, we had this Dak Prescott conversation a gazillion times. And we went, I mean, we went deep into it on the last podcast. And I threw out on Twitter, it's like, I, I, who makes less than Dak that is not on a rookie contract that you would rather have? And somebody goes, Jimmy Garoppolo. I was like, sure. really? I was like, there, it, 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 he was like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn it over as much. I was like, the reality of it is, is because Dak had a bad year with interceptions, like all of a sudden he's this dude who just turns it over a ton. Jimmy Garoppolo and Dak turn it over almost the exact same amount. Like, literally, like, their percentages and stuff are identical. So, I, I like, I'm just going, okay, and, and maybe, and that actually made sense to me because I thought, okay, maybe you think Jimmy Garoppolo and Dak are on the same level. You could probably get Jimmy Garoppolo for much cheaper than $40 million. I don't know how much cheaper, but reality of it is you're not getting rid of Dak, and that's always the question. Okay, let's say you wanted a Garoppolo. You want a Derek Carr who is actually making more than Dak, whatever the case. Again, these people that keep bringing this up, what do you propose they do with Dak? <laughs> I don't. Well, there's two things to that, man. I said it. I think I tweeted it out this week, but it's true. We've talked about it a zillion times. But okay, if you're done with Dak, that's fine. That's cool. It happens. Um, so Dak is gone. If you want a guy that you believe can replace Dak, and take you where you want to go, then you got to draft that to probably, for sure, in the first round. Yeah. You mm-hmm. got to drop him probably in the top 10. So you either got to give up a whole ton of draft capital to jump up there and get him, or you got to stink for a year. Those are, to me, those are your two choices. Because a stopgap guy is going to drive you crazy. Right. And, um, you know, the one thing I said on Twitter earlier this week is, too, is, and Matt will laugh when I say this. Y'all always think it's going to get better with the next guy. It can yeah, get worse. That's very true. No, it can get worse. It usually does. Yeah. I mean, you, you just go, oh, we'll put this other guy. He'll be. No, it could get worse. Uh, here's something funny, though, for you, bro. I was scrolling through some Facebook memories looking for something on uh, my, my professional page. Yeah. And I found a, I was looking at some videos and I found a video from 2018, five years ago. And I'm doing, I'm, I'm on an epic Taylor rant for about a minute and a half. Guess the topic. Probably Dak Prescott. (laughs) Who told y'all Dak Prescott had the arm talent to elevate all these bums around him and be a great player? Yeah. (laughs) And here we are five years later still talking about it. Dude, I, I couldn't stop laughing when I was watching it because, like, the conversation hasn't changed. 
Like, Dak has never been that guy. He's a really good quarterback. And nobody said you had to be a, a Hall of Famer to win the Super Bowl. You just got to have the right pieces around you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you got to have a superstar at every position. It just means for your talent base, you got to have the right pieces around you. And I remind y'all, let me just remind y'all real quick, just real quick, I'm going to remind you. Troy Aikman had who, Matt? Michael Irvin, mm-hmm. Emmitt Smith, one of the great offensive lines of all time, a guy at tight end and Jay Novacek who's just one tick below a Hall of Famer. That was just on offense. We're not going to talk about defense where you had Dan Woodson, who's been a Hall of Fame finalist or semifinalist, and he had uh, Charles Haley, and uh, he also had a Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> you know, he also had Deion Sanders for a while. Yeah. Okay, that's how you win Super Bowls. But, oh, what about Roger Staubach, man? Who'd he have? He had Tony Dorsett. He had Drew Pearson. Um, he had Rayfield Wright. Hall of Fame tackle. Hey. Yeah. Um, on defense, who'd he have? He had Mel Renfro, Hall of Famer. He had Everson Wall. No, he didn't have Everson Walls. He had Randy White. He had Harvey Martin, who's gotten Hall of Fame consideration. Cliff Harris. Cliff Harris, who's in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I'm telling y'all is, ain't nobody doing it by themselves. Those teams in the 70s were a collection of stars. Those teams in the 90s, they were a collection of stars. Yeah. It's, it's what it is and what they need to go and do to put around Dak, and we'll see if they can do that. But that is the question for the offseason. What do we do to get what Dak needs to make this team better? Or we'll get the training camp and we'll be doing the podcast in five months as they're approaching it and we'll break into their state of the team address and it'll be more about dry powder and, and how they're real excited about these. We got a lot of young guys and if, if 400 ifs turn true, then we'll be good. Maybe we'll hear that again. Who knows? Ifs and butts were candy and nuts. <laughs> what? I've never heard that. Ifs and what's for candy and butts? Oh, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all be happy. Man, I've never heard that, but that's that, I like that one. You never heard that? No, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all be happy. Yeah. That's true, man. Have... Somebody should tell Stephen and Jerry that. You need to hang around some more black people growing up, man. Yeah, I, I guess so. I need to know these things, man. Yes, you do. But that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I appreciate it. No problem. i also appreciate freeway tire shop man i know you do jr and his guys over there at freeway tire shop we have found the mechanic you can trust we have found the mechanic who does the work who stands behind his work who charges a fair price that you can trust when you drop your car off that he is doing it right and that he's going to do it with an elite level of customer service that'll blow your mind that's why Jacques and all of his fleet of cars is constantly going over to freeway so jr can take care of you yeah bro um hey i tell you all the time you need a mechanic you can trust because you don't need to worry about whether you're getting jobbed or not and so if your mechanic is not somebody that you can trust to diagnose the problem quickly and then trust to use quality parts and then trust to give you a fair price and then trust to stand behind his or her work then you need to go ahead straight to jr do not pass go and he's only five minutes from downtown you go right up 35 north get off at commonwealth go through the light he's right down the right you cannot will not miss him tell me boys from jan session sent you you'll be glad that you did 
Uh, but the work's phenomenal, man. Um, you know, he sends you uh, free estimates. I mean, it's just there's nothing there's there's nothing great. There's nothing I can't say about him that's not great. <laughs> yeah. So check him out, man. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can find more information online. You can schedule an appointment online. You can request a quote. You can do all that stuff at freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, we are made possible by HFX Foundation Solutions. Aaron and his guys over there at HFX. All the weird weather in Texas and the horrible soil that homes are built on. Everybody knows in Texas, at some point, you run into some foundation issues. They handle all that for you. Your foundation issues, your drainage, your gutter installations, all of that. And they will give you a free, no obligation inspection. So if you are seeing some of those signs, the cracks, the sticking doors, soil washout, go ahead and give Aaron and his guys a call. Let them come out and check it out for you. The foundation of your home is one of those things. That's why Jacques is always calling it a colonoscopy for your crib, because you want to get out ahead of that before it becomes a serious problem. Dude, that's why we call it that, man. It's the, you know, everybody's got a house. It's not the exterior stuff that catches you. It's the interior stuff, the stuff you can't see, the stuff going on behind the drywall or under the dirt. That's the stuff that drives you crazy because you don't see it till it's too late. Um, so we recommend that you call Aaron and his team over there at HFX so that they can give your house the once over so that they can go and internally check it out and see that the foundation is right. Because if you got a crib, there ain't nothing like hearing, oh, sir, madam, uh, got a little problem with the foundation we need to discuss yeah right then you say get my ekg because my heart's about to burst <laughs> out of my chest i need some anxiety medicine because i'm about to go crazy yeah but uh the way you solve that is you call aaron and have his team over there at hfx come check it out even if they find some odds are they found it early we all know what happens if you find something early it doesn't cost nearly as much as if yeah. you find it late but then they probably give you the clean bill of health and now you got peace of mind man no worry and you can uh, enjoy the big game in a couple of weeks. That's right. So make it happen. You can give them a call. It's easy to get them, man. It's 817-770-0174. Or go online, hfxfoundation.com, and let them come out and check out your place. So we got to take this trip around the block. We got a few things to get into. First, because I'm always, I, I, like, the fact that you said you saw a good, scary movie is very interesting to me because I'm kind of the same way with, as you. I... I rarely ever see a movie that's supposed to be scary that I actually think is worth a crap. This movie, and dude, it took me, you know, I saw this movie the other day. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. And I kept going, why is this woman so familiar to me, but I can't place her? And then I looked her up just a few minutes ago. You know who she is? You probably won't know, but I will. Okay, well, who is it? She played a character. I know the character. Her name is Jill Larson. But she played Opal Cortland on All My Children for like 30 years. And she was this wacky, over-the-top lady uh, who married this millionaire. <laughs> okay. And so it was kind of right. like, like, like one of those deals. There was no way she should have been with a millionaire. Yeah. And that made for a, uh, for a storyline just because she was – she knew nothing about, she was like a Beverly Hillbilly kind of millionaire. But anyway, that's, so she was this wacky person. That, so that's who played the role. But oh my God, did she play the role. So here's what happens. It's a, it, and they shot it in a different sort of way, which you can appreciate. They did a lot of first person shooting where like, if you're running through the woods, you just see the camera and the heavy breathing. Yeah. Uh, now, they didn't do a lot of that, but they did some of that. 
but the the storyline is there's this film crew doing a documentary on Alzheimer patient, and so this this woman says, okay, fine, I've I've got it early onset, so you can come do a documentary on me. And uh, she slowly, well, she quickly slips in from early onset dementia into full-fledged dementia. But what's happened is this spirit has kind of invaded her body from this murder that she was involved in. Not, she was kind of a, uh, she wasn't actually involved in the murder, but she saw some stuff she shouldn't have seen. And how the spirit kind of takes over her body slowly and how she gets into dementia and it, it kind of all merges together. Because you think, here's, here's, here's it in a nutshell. You think that dementia is causing her to act like this? Yeah. And it's really the spirit that's taking over her body that's causing her to act like this. That's weird. And so you blow it off because you think it's dementia, but it's all this other weird stuff. You're, you're like, what is going on here? Huh. And she plays the fuck out of this role. And here's what I mean. She looks like she's got dementia. Meaning like her eyes, like she played the role, man, because her eyes are as empty as your eyes can be. Huh. Like you're looking at him like, damn. I mean, she played that role, bro. The taking of Deborah Logan. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it came out. Apparently it came out like nine years ago. See, I had no idea it was that old. Yeah, I've never even heard of this film, but it has a 91% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes which is pretty high. <laughs> so that's, I mean, for a horror film, because I don't, I don't do a lot of horror films, generally yeah, speaking. Most of them are stupid. Yeah, they're just, I'm like, yeah, whatever, this is so silly. So that's interesting. I don't even remember the last, like, movie I would, I've watched where I would even consider it a scary movie. But a lot of, like, the, like, the lady won't watch movies like that, so. Well, see, this, to me, this was more about, uh, what do you call it? This wasn't scary like Scream or Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the, those are kind of like, these are the kind I like, which is like more like supernatural, real, I call it realistic scary. Yeah. You know, that's why I was telling you, like, how am I talking to you and there's no microphone in the computer? Is something taking it over? Is yeah. something, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back at the, yeah. So that, that kind of thought you were like, oh, okay, well, here it is. Right, exactly. The spirit uh, left the movie and came to you. I saw another movie. Did I tell you about it the other a couple of weeks ago? I saw Megan. Have you heard about that? No, but are you talking into the microphone? Because it sounds like you. I don't know. I don't know. Am I talking on top of it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Better? I was trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> I think I just moved my head angle and I yeah. ended up talking on top of it. Okay. All right. Well, but I went to see another scary movie called Megan, but this was a little more. This was a little funnier. Megan. But but I went to see it because it's a classic. You know, somebody was making a doll with AI. Oh, okay. And yeah. it and it and you put your fingerprint on it and it links to you and your memories and so then it's really can be a a friend for you because it, huh. it responds to all that stuff. And it's like all of those movies where the AI goes batty and takes over itself. And all I can think of is that's the world we're coming to. <laughs> I believe you know, because, it. Because everybody's got Alexa and everybody's got this and there's always going to be somebody who's experimenting with how to, you know, do something so it's more and more and more automated and more and more lifelike and more yeah. and more has its own personality and this and that. And, you know, we see more and more movies like this. You know, iRobot was like this and all that. Yeah. But they're all interesting and the more we become home automated, 
I just like, man, I'm going to be the last survivor. I'm not making everything home automated so the house can take over. Yeah, it's happening, man. It, it's you, you see these videos online of like the robots that they're working on and building and stuff. And I'm like, we're so screwed. Like, it's just a matter of time. They have robot armies that they're working on now where they, you know, they're all in sync and they can bend steel and do all this crap. I'm like, once these things get self-aware, they'll eradicate us in a heartbeat. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's it's only a matter of time. Well, this is interesting. So apparently that mega movie came out like a month ago. It came out in early January yeah. and yeah. it's already made one hundred and fifty million dollars in the theaters. That's because it's pretty good. It's huh. a it's it's a it's pretty good movie because it, it's got that little tension to it and some scariness to it. But it's also got some funniness to it. I mean, I was I was kind of laughing through it quite a bit. Uh, that could be because I'm an adult. But OK. You know, I all I require is to be amused for the two hours that I'm there. That's all I require. I don't require great cinematography and all this other stuff. I just, I just need to be amused. Interesting. And, and it is, passed the amusement test. Is the is the voice of the doll creepy? Is it like a weird little hi? I'm Megan. No, because remember they want it to be like your friend. So no, it's more like a normal voice. Okay, weird. And uh, but see what happened is you know how they do. It, you have to keep, you know, when, when you're doing these things, you have to keep the AI updated. So, and you can't forget to add stuff into the AI. Like, you can't forget to say or program it. Let me see, what did happen? Like, they programmed it like, oh, you know what happened? I'm not giving too much of a movie away. Like, a dog bit, bit the little girl. Yeah. And so they programmed Megan. Hey, Megan, always defend the little girl. Well, they didn't. They didn't put any parameters on. It. <laughs> so she just goes nuts and like rips the dog in half. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of awesome. You know. Okay. Yeah, that makes you sense. Know, or, but you can also <laughs> figure out where else that could go. Right. Yeah. You know. So stuff like that. Okay. So, yeah. So no, I'm intrigued. And like you know, at one point the parent raised a voice to to Megan's little friend, and Megan was like, "Hey, don't talk to her like that." Yes, because if you do, I will kill you because I'm stronger right, than so you because she, I'm a robot. There you go. So she has like programmed it like, oh, well, you can't interfere in family business, stuff like that. Okay. But all, and so that to me was the funny part that I was laughing at. Um, you know, but it, it was an amusing movie and I enjoyed myself. Interesting. Yeah, that, that, that actually sounds like, like I would check that out. That sounds interesting. So I, we've kind of been watching this thing on Netflix and I can't remember if I told you about this or not, but it's called Physical 100. You know, I saw that and I didn't click on it. It's it's really it, it's they compare it to Squid Games. They say it's like Squid Games meets Gladiators. It's a Korean show filmed in South Korea, and they got a hundred contestants in top physical shape that compete in a series of challenges to claim like who's the last part, like who's the best, most physical. And it's it's really wild, man. Like the first challenge they did was. Who can hang from this thing the longest? So you've got like, apparently this dude, Yoshihiro Akiyama, who's like the, the best UFC type mixed martial arts fighter in Korean history. He's in this. And like there's bodybuilders and arm wrestlers and professional level athletes. And then there's like normal people and that are just all in really, really good shape. And they compete in these challenges and stuff. And it was wild because all these strong guys and everything, like the first challenge the guy who wins the first challenge, you never in a million years would have picked it, but it was because mentally he was just able to overcome and just hang and hang and hang until everybody else gave up. And then they pit them one-on-one -on -one against each other to eliminate people from the show. It, it's, 
it's a little weird because it's in Korean. So we turned off the subtitles and just listened to it, like the dub of it. And, and dubbing is always so cheesy, but for something like this, I don't really think it matters because they're not acting, they're not playing characters, so who cares? Right. And it's easier to watch it when they're just speaking in English, even though it's like, oh, this guy over here, I wonder if he is going to be better than me at this challenge. You know, that's like the voiceover type shit. It's like, God, man, what are we doing? But it's a, like, you find yourself, I wish it was to the death, but it's kind of cool the way that they've done this. Right. No, it sounds interesting. I was, I was going to say, you know, those kinds of shows are cool, especially if they're, if the, if the, uh, you know, because a lot of it is, most of it is mental toughness. Once you get past the physical strength, plus sometimes your body size matters because, you know, you can see guys who weigh 135 pounds do 100 pull-ups right. because what are, they're only pulling up 135 pounds. Yep. Whereas if you can be ripped, but if you're 230, just over the course of time, pulling up that 230 is a hell of a lot harder than pulling up that 135. Yeah, it's really and wild, so, man. It, it, it's You know, you end up with that pound-for-pound pound strength, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because they do, like, at the end of one of the challenges to eliminate people, they go one-on-one -on -one in these rings where they end up, like, wrestling and crap. And they have three minutes and whoever is holding this ball when the clock hits zero wins and the other person is eliminated. So to see the different strategies of, okay, how do I get the ball? I can throw it in this corner and then I'll defend the corner and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of wild, man. And it's, I mean, these are people that are in really, really good shape. Like the elite athletes of Korea. Right. Cut up and ripped. Yeah. And it's funny too, because sometimes like when they first do the show and people are walking, like I have no, I don't have a clue about any single person on this show, but some of the people walk in and all the other contestants are like, Oh my God, I can't believe this guy is here. Like I didn't know he was, and I'm like, who the hell, you know, but it'd be like similar to us. I thought that'd be badass. Like if you could imagine taking like all the people that we think of that are in peak top, whatever of America and putting them together, like the best 100 and having them compete against each other to see who can overcome and, and that type of thing would be really interesting. Oh yeah. I think so, bro. Like they, uh, they, they've got like what, whatever Korea's version of Navy seals is and stuff. There's a couple of those type of guys on the show and stuff as well. So, wow. It's interesting. It's a little corny because again, it, just the way that it's done, but it, it's a, it's a really interesting cause I've never seen anything like this before where it's a, a true physical challenge where, they pit people against each other, men against men and women in different sizes and all kinds of different stuff. It's really, we watched the first couple episodes because Netflix is with this, they're doing it where they release two episodes a week for whatever right, reason. Right. So you can only watch two at a time, but might be worth checking out. The other thing, did you, did you hear about the Chinese spy balloon? I, th I mean, even I would have to be under a rock not to have heard about that. Man, I, I heard about it for a couple of days, and I thought people were just making something up. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> somebody was like, oh, my God, the China, there's a spy balloon. I was like, whatever. That, that, that. And I, I, I vaguely saw something on TV about it in, like, a, a brewery we were at or something. I was like, what? And then yesterday, of course, like, all of a sudden, we're getting these news updates. The U.S. military has taken action and has shot down a Chinese. I'm like, what the? <laughs> this is a real thing. The Chinese had a freaking spy balloon, and we had to shoot it down with a missile from a fighter jet. <laughs> That's bizarre, my brother. It's weird. And apparently they, you know, China's trying to say, oh, no, it was a weather balloon that went off course. I'm, oh, okay, yeah, it went off course and hovered above military establishments in our country for seven days. <laughs> and apparently, like, they've been monitoring it. Like, I've been reading a lot about it because I'm like, what the hell? 
And it sounds like they just they destroyed it. And now they've got the Coast Guard and the Navy are getting the pieces of it. And they're going to study it to see if they can learn anything, apparently. But at the same time, they don't it sounds like they're not really that concerned about it because they're like, well, I mean, they could get the same information from a spy satellite that nobody would be able to see, except the government probably knows it exists. Well, then why didn't they? That's what I was wondering. <laughs> and I wonder, well, okay, well, what, what type of thing is this? I mean, you know, I mean is this going to be like hostilities, a spy balloon? Like, that's so strange. Dude, now, you know, and then, you know, after that, uh, was it here that three of those apparently happened with uh, our former president, and yet, uh, yet he didn't do anything about him for whatever the political reason that he didn't do anything about him. Uh, but then I never know if that was true or that's just, you know, a story yeah. being put out there to make him look bad since now's the opportunity. Uh, but it seemed odd that, like, do they, where do they launch the balloon from? It can't be that they launched a balloon in China. <laughs> yeah, and then it just floated across the ocean and nobody yeah. thought anything of it? Yeah, like, they got to have some operatives here who were out at a kid's party and just said, oh, this one's got extra helium in it. Yeah, that's and, what I was uh, thinking. And, and let it go. So I'd be fascinated on how they launched it. And then it sure seemed like they used a big-ass missile to take it that's out. That's what I thought. <laughs> like, how come you just didn't shoot a dart at it or something? I mean, I'm sitting there going, and apparently, like, they were monitoring it and waiting for it to get out over the ocean so they could shoot it down. I mean, you know, the video's all over social media. They, they, they legit took a, a Top Gun fighter jet and shot a missile at this thing and to take it down. And I'm just going, man, this is, this is the weirdest thing. And of course, you know, China's like, oh, America overreacted and all this type of thing. And, and part of me is like, no, we didn't know. Like, why are you sending a, a balloon to spy on us, China? <laughs> and if that's how you spy, you suck at spying. Like, you are a horrible spy country. Yep. If that's what you're doing, yes. Because I kept, like, when I found out that this whole thing was real, you know, and they're, they're telling people, apparently, like, in South Carolina, when it was floating over South Carolina, they had gone on and were issuing public, like, notices, please don't shoot at the Chinese spy balloon. Because people were going out in their house trying to shoot it down. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you trying to shoot down a balloon? What is wrong with you? What I mean, there's some explosive in there. Exactly, man. Like, some sort of a weird disease or something. I mean, we don't even know what it is. And I found out that this is real, and I just keep thinking, if you ever watch the show The Americans, where they had the Russian spies that lived here in the 80s, you know, it was, it was obviously a fictitious take on what they thought was going on at the time. And I thought, okay, so they, they literally lived here and adapted to our culture to spy on us, and China's sending these giant balloons that it's obvious. <laughs> yes. Speaking of that. I used to love the Americans. That's a great show. That is one. Of, it's a, it's underrated. You don't hear a lot of people that bring it up, but that is a phenomenal show. It's so good. I could probably go back and watch it again. You know what? I wouldn't mind going back and watching it again. Like, I mean, it was phenomenal. It is, man. It's very well acted. The whole story. I mean, it, it seemed believable extraordinarily too. believable. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I, I believe that that I believe that a lot of that took place back then. I do as well, man. In the, the height of the Cold War, I think on both sides. You know, KGB probably had them here. I guarantee you, we had CIA people that were living in Russia that were pretending to be Russian. Right, right, right. You know, that's the way it is. God, that show's been off the air for five years now. Interesting. It ran from it, its last episode was in May of 2018. Had 75 episodes over six seasons. 
damn. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really, really good show. Okay, I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I'm going to watch it again. And that was, you know, the girl who plays Ruth in that, Julia Garner. That was our first exposure to Julia Garner in that in that show. Because, yeah, right? Yeah, I remember she played like the young girl or whatever, the student that uh, Philip ended up like trying to get, like act like he was going to get with, but he wouldn't do anything because she was underage, but he wanted her to think that so he could get information from her. Jeez, I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was back in maybe, God, I'm trying to remember what season. That was like earlier on, I think, in the whole thing. Like, I don't even know if I got to the fifth or the sixth seasons. I just remember the first four. It's a damn good show, man. And that is definitely one of those shows that's probably worth going back and checking out again. Okay, where is it these days? Man, that's a very good question. I seem like it's somewhere. I don't think it's on Netflix because it's an FX show, so it's probably on Hulu or something, whatever's tied in with them. Right, everybody's tied into something. Yeah, that's that's reality. Uh, speaking of that, um, my granddaughter's seventeenth birthday was the other day. Happy birthday, Alana! So she pulls me aside. She says, hey, "I have something serious to talk to you about." Oh, I go, "Oh, see, same thing you just did." I said, "Oh, I said, what is this? We're gonna talk about your ragged ass grades?" Oh my! And she said, "Papa, no." I said, oh, okay, I was just playing. I said, we're going to talk about your desire to be a pastry chef? She said, no. I said, we're going to talk about when you're getting my car. She said, well, we need to talk about that, but that's not the topic. I said, okay, I give up. What is the topic? She goes, they're serious about this Netflix password sharing thing. We need to figure out what we're going to do about it. (laughs) I I said, what do you mean? She goes, no, they're serious. They're logging your yeah. IP address, and they're going to make you sign in and out if it, if it comes from a different IP address. And if you go out of town, they got different rules, and they're going to make it really hard to share the password. I said, well, I pay for mine, so it's, it's really not a problem. What's the issue? She goes, you know what the issue is. We all use your password. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, sounds like a, a personal issue. Kind of is. is. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is, it's a personal problem. <laughs> she didn't like that response any better. But uh, I thought it was amazingly funny that she was very concerned about this. I said, Netflix doesn't even have that much good stuff on right now anyway. I said, I'm more of an Amazon Prime and Tubi person. She goes, well, I get that, but there's still a lot of good stuff on Netflix, and I, I need my Netflix. I said, uh, I'm sure we'll work it out uh, you know, along the way when it really happens, but uh, it's not a on us yet but then she said but i think it's coming in march so it's 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 coming very soon now what's your feeling on on, on that are they are they wasting an inordinate amount of time uh pursuing this it feels like they are but to i i think you know from a sheer business standpoint i, I think it's understandable that so many people do that where they will share passwords you know there's a lot of people that will okay hey you guys pay for netflix we'll pay for this and we'll just share and i get that so from a business standpoint, I mean, it makes sense that they want to crack down on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems to me that there's got to be, and I, th- I thought they were doing something where you can have sub accounts, but now you're going to have to pay for them and that type of thing. See, I think you should be, a, no, they don't care what we think. But to me, sub accounts is the better way to go because if you're like me, well, maybe, I don't know. basically what I'm saying is if you were a, a father if you had, if it was a two adults living together, 
and they had two kids or three kids and the three kids were in college different colleges basically or you know what i'm saying like they're still part of my household but they just live in different places yeah that that seems like we should be able to share an account or you know you know what i mean it just yeah. seems like there's a better way than oh i got five people who live in five different places who are all related to me by blood but I got to pay five different accounts or they each got to come up with 20 bucks a month. Yeah. It, it, there's got to be some middle ground. I would think, you know, I like from, again, from their thing, they like, I was just looking at it. Apparently they say that they believe a hundred million people use Netflix without paying for it. I, that seems extreme, but maybe, I, I, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. Cause you, you mentioned it. And I, I needed more clarification because I've never called like I never called Matt and said, "Hey Matt, why don't we do this? I'll pay for Netflix and you pay for Hulu." Right? Yeah. Do people really do that? Like I see it with yeah. family all the time. Family is more like, "Hey, have you got a Netflix password?" Yeah. All right. Here you go. Yeah, I know some people that that do that with their friends and stuff. I mean, to me, I've always felt like that's more of a hassle than I wanted to mess with, personally. Yeah. And I've I've been if I want your content, I, I I can choose to pay for it or not. I don't feel like I need to try to get around it. Like, oh, haha, I got it anyway. Like, I don't. That's always been whatever. I mean, and I think we we've talked about this. I mean, we'll we'll go through services. I don't always subscribe to everything. Like, we we may do like a month. Oh, this is on HBO. We want to watch it. Let's get HBO this month, and then we'll cancel right. it. You know, somehow right. I, I found out, I don't know how I did not know this, but apparently HBO Max is included with our internet service. And I just discovered that like a month ago. So we get oh. HBO Max, but you're winning. Yeah. I mean, it's just like little things like that where you kind of rotate through the rest of it. So I don't know, man, like to me, we, we watch a lot of Netflix. I think there's usually something on Netflix that we will get into. So to me, I don't mind paying the fee, I guess. But I, I do know right. people who do that with their friends where they go, okay, let's, you know, hey, log in, whatever, you guys do this, and here's our password for this, and we'll share it and have that happen. Yeah, okay. And I don't, like, I don't even remember. We've signed up for Netflix so long ago. I forget whatever it costs and, or, like, whatever the, the ramifications are. I think you can only stream on so many devices or whatever the case may be. So to me, I don't know why, like, just combat it that way. Like, okay, you, you're paying this price. You can stream on three devices, and it doesn't matter where those three devices are. Right. You know, okay, well, now I'm going to share my password, and I'm going to give it to this person who's going to stream from a different state on another device. What do they care? But <laughs> they're a company, man, if that's what they want to do. I was going to say, clearly they care. Clearly they care because a lot of people are doing that. A well, lot of know, people. The other, the other thing is that, once you go public and uh, you got to answer the sh sh what do you call it stakeholders, uh, stockholders, yeah. uh, then it's it's always about how much money you can make and how much uh, profit margin you can create. And so, any money that you can find, any new revenue stream you can right. find, you're you're going to go for it. Yeah, man. That's welcome to the world in which we live. Because now everything is streaming. You got to have a gazillion different things to watch everything. Seems like it's only going to get worse, too. I mean, that, that's going to be, and I don't mind it now because there's a lot more a la carte. There's a lot more where you can jump around and you can have this for a month and then this for a month. And you can kind of go back through and see everything that you want to watch. And it, you don't have to have it all at once. 
which is kind of nice. You know, I mean, we do, we have Hulu and we have Disney plus because I use ESPN plus almost every day when I'm reading articles and, and stuff like that. So you get that bundle and it's all tied in together. It's like, okay, do I need Hulu and Disney plus? No, but if I get the ESPN bundle with it, then I'm getting those services for a couple bucks a month or whatever it is. True that, true. So it ends up, I guess, evening out in the end. That's a podcast, my friend. Good times. Hope everybody enjoyed that, man. We had some rabbit hole conversations on this one. <laughs> That's what makes it fun. No, absolutely. And then we'll That's figure it out. I mean, Super Bowl coming up next weekend. Either the Eagles or the Chiefs will be a champion. We'll check in, talk about that throughout the course of the week. We were talking about this, too. At some point, we got to get into the Mavs. We'll start talking little stars as we transition a little bit into that. And, of course, you know, they just had the Senior Bowl. We're going to have the Combine. Then we got to get ready for the draft, and it just never stops, man. At some point, we'll have to bust out the draft machine again. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, always fun. For that. So we'll keep it going. We appreciate all of you. Support our sponsors. We appreciate that very much. And we will catch in, check in, and talk to you guys very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.